Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Christian Church Podcast. Rocky is a community of believers who want to know Jesus and love like Him. Let's take a listen to this week's message. Hey church, I hope you're doing well wherever you're connecting with us this morning. Obviously, there is snow outside, so everybody's connecting with us online. If you are new to our church, my name is Matt, and I'm one of the pastors here. It's so good to have you. I want to remind you and encourage you, because you're at home today, to go ahead and take communion together as a family or whoever you're with after the service. We'll go ahead and let you lead on that, but take communion. Remember the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus as an encouragement for you. Uh, so be a part of that after the message. But again, we're glad that you're here. We actually finished up a series last week entitled One. Uh, we spent four weeks in the, in the book of Luke chapter 15, uh, walking through stories that Jesus told about lost things and lost people. And really Jesus was answering the question, why? I mean, so many people were asking Jesus, why do you do what you do? Why do you act the way you act? Why do you talk the way you talk? And essentially in Luke 15, Jesus answers this question over and over and over again. And he kind of sums up the bottom line for his life. He talks about this in all different places in scripture, but in Luke chapter 19, uh, verse 10, here's what uh, Jesus says. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. This was the mission of Jesus. This is why Jesus came. This is why he lived the way he lived. This is why he taught the way that he taught. And so this week, we're gonna start a brand new series. And we're gonna be answering the question, not why, but how. How do you and how do I, how do we go about living like Jesus calls us to live? And so you're gonna remember the, the title of this series. Here's what it is. The title of this series is Get Off Your Blank. Get off your blank. And here's what we're gonna do today and over the next two weeks, we're gonna put a word in the blank to help us answer the question of how are we called to live? And today's word is gonna be this, get off your apps, A-P-P-S, get off your apps. Now, before you click off, all right, let me just tell you, this is not gonna be a message that's gonna be you know, against having a cell phone or against having social media. Although I would say this, some of you might wanna think about taking a break from social media and maybe putting your cell phone down a little bit more this week, but that's not the point of this talk. The point of this talk is to talk about how do we use, how? How do we use social media as Christians? Here's what I know about social media. There is a trap, there's a temptation that a lot of times I fall into and probably you fall into. It is a space where it's really easy to enter into and to begin complaining and bickering and grumbling about people and businesses and organizations that you have tension with. It's an easy place to, to enter into and to begin explaining why you're right or I'm right and everybody else is wrong. And here's the thing, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, I think that's a mistake. Now, if you're not a Christian and you're listening today, you, you don't have to like listen to this part of it, but I, I think you should think about it, of how you interact and use social media. But if you love Jesus and, and you would call yourself a Christian, I think if that's how you use social media, it's a mistake. If, and here's the big if, if you want to reach people who don't know Jesus. If you wanna reach people who are unchurched, if you wanna reach people who don't know the story about Jesus, and it is a mistake to enter into and to leverage and to use social media as a platform to bicker and to grumble and to be on the attack. And I get it. 
I get it. I've talked to a lot of people who love Jesus and we talk about the idea that culture is changing so fast. I mean, things are changing so fast. There's a lot of people who love Jesus who have become defensive and angry and scared. And I get it. I get it. And because of this, here's what we do. We, we begin to see culture as the enemy. We begin to see people who are not like us or talk like us or behave like us as the enemy. And it'd be interesting if we could like chat with some folks who, who are not Christians to look at the post or feeds of people who are, they, they might come to this conclusion, right? If, if God so loved the world, I mean, just about everybody knows John three sixteen, right? If God so loved the world, then why do so many Christians talk like he hates it? I mean, if people who didn't know Jesus could just see my, you know, my post and your post, I think they would eventually come to a conclusion. If God so loved the world, then why do so many people who say they love God talk like God hates a lot of things, right? I mean, what's the deal with that? And it's just a reminder today that your anger and my anger isn't attracting unchurched people. It's actually pushing them away. Now, here's what I'm not saying. You can have convictions. Listen, I have deep convictions about the gospel, about the church. I have deep faith convictions and you should too. I'm not saying to do away with your convictions. I'm just saying, and, and the, we need to be talking about the approach and how we convey those. Approach matters. Now I grew up in the church and some of you may have grown up in the church and like church culture 25 years ago, it just seemed like, like we were against everything. Like the local church was just against everything. And so our approach oftentimes in reaching people who didn't know Jesus was to let them know what we were against. And if you grew up in church, you, you might have lived in this, right? I mean, we will let people know, like, listen, no gambling, no smoking, no drinking, no cussing, no dating, no divorce, no homosexuality, no abortion, no dancing, and certainly no Harry Potter. No Harry Potter. 25 years ago in the church I was growing up and you could not be a Christian and read Harry Potter. You couldn't do it. We would just consistently let people the knows of, of what we believe to be true. And we would create pamphlets and flyers and tracks and voter guides and bumper stickers and billboards and church marquees. Man, if you grew up in church, you know about the church marquee. I mean, we were putting out tweets 25 years ago before Twitter even existed. Right? We would leverage all these opportunities to post and remind people what we were against. And again, I think there's a lot of folks who are posting things who believe that they are defending truth and standing for what is right. And I can certainly agree in some cases about the truth that people are trying to defend. But come on, if you're a Christian, come on, listen. Isn't it just a little weird that every time you turn around or you get on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram that Christians seem to be talking about or posting about everything that they're against, everything they're upset with, every group of people they're frustrated with? I mean, it's interesting. I mean, you, you read the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you get into the story of the early church in the book of Acts and you begin to see that neither Jesus or Paul or the early disciples positioned themselves against everything in culture, or even against the Roman empire for that matter. I mean, in fact, the only 
The only thing when it comes to Paul and Jesus that, that they would talk about, that they were consistently against were people who were considered to be religious, who were against everything. And the religious people 2000 years ago, they had this approach. Again, I'm not talking about the disciples. I'm talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these people who consider themselves to be extremely religious. Their approach and oftentimes our approach on social media can look very similar. And here, here's what their approach was. Become like us and then you can join us. Once you become like us, then you can join us. But if you're gonna live that lifestyle or engage in those bad habits or support that candidate, right? That we don't agree with. If you're gonna be over there with those people, then you stay over there. And I'm gonna remind you with my words that you're in the wrong place and you're saying the wrong things. And you're behaving in a way that is unacceptable, right? You're over there but you can come join us, but only when you act like us. When you become like us, then you can come hang out with us. But until then you stay over there. And here's what I've noticed. Here's just what I've noticed. In the context of social media, and as a follower of Jesus and just reading the feeds and seeing what people are posting. Here, here's what I've noticed. That we are really good at making a point. We are really good at making a point, but making a point rarely makes a difference. It rarely makes a difference. And here's the other thing that I think is true. It's always easier to make a point than it is to make a difference. It's always easier to make a point than it is to make a difference. I mean, come on, think about it. Ever, ever wonder why after you made a point that people don't change their point of view? I mean, here's why, because telling people they're wrong is different than loving people to do something different. It's easy to make a point. It's very, very, very difficult to make a difference. I mean, to make a difference, it takes a completely different strategy than the strategy that would be required to make a point. And when you read the gospels and when you read the book of Acts, it basically gives us this, I, I think it gives us this roadmap about how to make a difference. Because here's the thing, the early church made a difference. They just didn't make a point, they made a difference. They lived in such a way that I really believe changed the world. I mean, think about this, within 300 years after Jesus is, is crucified, the Roman empire I mean, the superpower of the world will actually embrace Christianity within 300 years. It's an amazing story. I mean, the book of Acts is an incredible story of the difference the early church was able to make. They, they weren't concerned about making a point. Here's why. The early church, early Christians, they had no platform. They didn't even have a social media platform. They had no leverage in culture. They hardly had any money. They had very little organization. I mean, they, they had nothing and yet they brought about cultural change. And I know that you're, you're thinking this question, well, Matt, how'd they do it? How'd they do it? How did they go about making a difference? Well, I'm glad you're asked. And so here's what I'm gonna do real quick. I wanna give you four things. I think simple yet profound things that the early church was all about that helped them in developing application for how to be for people, for how to serve people, how to love people, how to be a Christian in a world that is filled with people who don't know Jesus. Just four quick things. You can leverage this 
in the context of social media, but even in your everyday life. Here's things that they held to. These are things that help them determine how they should live. Here's number one. The early church, they consistently leaned relationally in the direction of those they disagreed with the most. In other words, they were constantly building relational bridges to people that they wanted to have influence with. I mean, their approach was gritty. The early church's approach to reach people who didn't know Jesus was gritty. And who'd they learn it from? They learned it from Jesus. Look at this, Matthew chapter nine, starting in verse nine. It says this, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew. Now just pause. My name is Matthew. Without this story, without the approach of Jesus, my name wouldn't be Matthew. And here's why. Look what it says. Matthew, who's sitting at the tax collector booth, Jesus goes, follow me. And Matthew got up and he followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, this is the religious people, they asked his disciples, why does, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Here's what happened. Jesus walks up to Matthew, who's a tax collector. And he says, man, I want you to take a break from collecting taxes. I want you to come hang out with me. Matthew goes, well, where are we going? Jesus says, we're going to your house. And I want you to invite all your friends, all your tax collector buddies. We're all gonna hang out tonight and we're gonna have dinner together. Now, here's what I think, that in this moment, the other disciples are looking at Jesus and they're saying, bro, what are you doing? You can imagine Peter, he's probably running his mouth. He's like, Jesus, I'm not, I'm not going to his house. I'm not going to Matthew's house. Jesus, he's a tax collector. I mean, he steals money from people. He has stolen money from people I know. I don't want him in our crew. I don't want him hanging out with us. He can't join us. He's not our kind of people. And Jesus would look right at Peter and I think he would say something like this. Exactly. Peter, that's exactly right. That's why I wanna be close to this guy. I wanna be close. I mean, the early church continually leaned relationally in the direction of those that they disagreed with the most, which brings our second reminder that early church, uh, what they did. Number two, they were not concerned about guilt by association. Jesus wasn't concerned. The early disciples were not concerned. I mean, when you read your Bibles, you begin to see that Jesus's reputation, right? What, what, what did the people say about Jesus? Here's what they said. We just read in Matthew 9. He, he's friendly and he's close to tax collectors and sinners. His reputation is he spends too much time with people he shouldn't be spending any time with. And he was totally okay with it. And the early church would wrestle with and they wouldn't always get it perfect, but they would be close to people. They weren't concerned about guilt by association, which then leads to a question because if you choose to be close to people, then people begin asking, were well, you saying that what those people are doing or what they're saying or how they're acting is okay? People would come to Jesus and they basically say something like this, Jesus, because you hang out with sinners or because you're having dinner with sinners, because you're at Matthew's house, are you saying that it's okay to sin? The fact that you're hanging out with sinners, are you saying that sin is just okay? And Jesus will respond by saying, no, no, I'm not saying that it's okay to sin. I mean, sin is gonna put Jesus on a cross. Jesus is not okay with sin. But Jesus would say to those people, I'm trying to reach people who need to hear my words. 
in order for them to hear, then I have to be close. So Jesus would say something like this. I'm trying to engage with people who need to hear the message. And for them to hear it, we've got to be okay to be close to them. So no, I'm not saying it's okay and how they live or what they do or what they say, but that's not what I'm, choo- that's not why I'm choosing to be close to them, not to affirm in what they're doing, but so that they can hear a message that has the power to change their life. That's number two. Here's number three. They're in the church. They refuse to be dragged into debates that distracted them from the primary issues. We could talk about this for the next 30 minutes. Jesus and the early church, they refused to be dragged into debates and having conversations that would distract them from the primary issues. Jesus refused. He was not going to get dragged into issues that weren't the most important thing. You wanna talk about the gospel, he's all in. You wanna talk about the mission of why Jesus came, he's all in. You wanna talk about how Jesus has come to to love people who are far from him, he's all in. You wanna talk about serving, he's all in. You wanna talk about grace, he's all in. But if you just wanna nitpick and have all these other conversations that are only gonna be a distraction to the mission, Jesus says, no, thank you. And as you read through the gospels, you'll see Jesus over and over and over again, either not answer questions or answer questions with questions because they were trick questions. People were trying to get him hung up and how he would answer and he refused to. Just because people ask a question doesn't mean we we need to answer every single one. Here's the fourth thing. The early church, they didn't judge non-Christians for behaving like non-Christians. They, they just, they didn't look at people who didn't know Jesus and expect him to act like and live like they knew who he was. I mean, why in the world would we hold people who aren't even Christians accountable to, to a set of rules of how they should live when they haven't even signed up for it yet? It would, it's ludicrous for me or for you. I mean, if you know Jesus to expect people who don't know him to live like they do. And you never find that with Jesus. Never find that with Paul. I mean, Paul didn't go into Athens and, and go, oh man, I can't believe they're, these people are worshiping idols. I mean, of course they're worshiping idols. They're not Jewish. They're not Christian. I mean, Jesus and Paul, I mean, you just see this. They never expected non-Christians to behave like Christians. Now, here's the thing. I want you to take those four truths, those foundational beliefs, right? If you hold those things to be true of what the early church did, how do you like apply these things now into the how? How do we live these out? And it's interesting because Jesus and Paul both kind of give us some language and show us how to leverage these truths. Here's what Jesus said. Matthew chapter five, verse 14. This is Jesus talking. He goes, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world, meaning that the world is dark. But if, if you are a follower of Jesus, Jesus says, listen, you are the light of the world. He continues, look at this. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So here's the point, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your, and here it is, good deeds. They may see your good deeds, not just words, but your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. So here's what Jesus said. You want to make a difference? Do you want to make a difference in in the world that you live in? Then you have to 
then you've got to live your life in such a way that people see your good deeds. And after they see it, they begin to ask questions about why you live the way you live. It's very similar to how Jesus was a light in the world. Jesus lived in such a way where people asked him questions all the time. Jesus, why do you do that? Why would you say that? Why are you having dinner at that person's house? They're asking the question because his deeds were on full display. You've got to live your life in such a way that it's a lie in a dark world. I mean, Jesus says, look, look, I want you to live your life in such a way that you make a point by making a difference. You want to make a difference and your deeds have to be on full display. You could say it like this. You make a difference, which is the point. You make a difference when you're like a light in a dark world and the world is attracted to you. How you live matters. It's a big part of our approach in reaching people who don't know Jesus. We're lights in a dark world. Now here's what Paul says. He gives us a, a little bit more application. This is Colossians chapter four and verse five. He says this, be wise, be smart, be strategic, have a good approach. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. He's talking to church people. He says, church, when you're around people who don't know Jesus, when you're around people who think differently than you and act differently than you, you should be wise in your approach. He goes, make the most of every opportunity. Then he goes on to say this, verse six, let your conversations be always full of anger. No, 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 full of grace, grace. When you talk, when words are coming out of your mouth, they should be full of grace. And now look at this, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Paul goes, let your conversations with outsiders be full of grace. In other words, there needs to be so much grace in, 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 in what you're talking about and what you're posting about. There's so much grace, it almost feels like it's too much. It's too full. That's a, man, that's too much grace. It's full of grace and seasoned with just a little bit of salt, just a little sprinkle of salt. And here's the thing. Do you know what we've done in the past 50 years? In the context of the local church in America, we've had conversations full of salt with a little bit of grace. Paul goes, you know what the recipe is? And your approach to reach people who are far from God, that your words would be full of grace with a pinch of salt. I mean, do you know why Rome finally switched over to Christianity 300 years after they crucified Jesus? It wasn't because of preaching. It wasn't because of social media. It wasn't because Christians got together because they wanted to make a point. It changed because of how they lived and how they spoke. And the mission of the church is to tell the world that God has done something in the world. And Jesus would say, and Paul would say, the best way for you and I to let the world know is by how we live, and by how we talk. And here's what we know, that that message, the story of Jesus, it has the power to change lives. Not from the outside in, but from the inside out. That if we really wanna make a difference in the world, if we wanna challenge people with how they think or how they talk or what they believe, it's not gonna 
It's not gonna work by just making a point. It's only gonna work by how we live and how we speak. Jesus would say, you gotta be a light. And Paul would say, you gotta be full of grace with a little bit of salt. So let's do that. Let's be a light. Let's be filled with grace. Well, how, you know, Matt, well, how do you do that? Well, here's how you do that. You just live like Jesus calls us to live. I mean, we can be a church that can outgive every other organization in this state. We're just gonna live as Jesus would call us to live. We're gonna be generous, right? We're, we're gonna serve. We're gonna serve people like Jesus served us. We're not just gonna serve people that, that act like us or look like us or believe like us. We're gonna serve people that are different than us. We're gonna serve people who don't even like us. Why? Because we are light in a dark world. And if we would live like Jesus lived, Jesus goes, then you're going to make a point, but we will make a point because we made a difference. Because we made a difference. And that's what Jesus taught. And that's what Paul modeled. And that's what the early church did. And I think, I think, that we have just as great an opportunity that the early church did 300 years ago to make a difference. So here's the challenge this week. What if we just, we got off our apps this week. We spent a little bit less time on social media, a little bit less time on our phone, and we decide to be a light that was full of grace, serving and loving people who are close to us. So here's the challenge I want to give you this week. We're going to give you a challenge every single week at the end of the message. This week, you've got seven days. And if you're not a Christian, you don't have to do this, but you can even jump in if you want. But if you are a Christian, listen, I want us to exercise our faith. I want us to be light in a dark world. I want our words to be full of grace with a little bit of salt. Here's what I want you to do. This week, I want you to go and serve and love and, and get to know your neighbors, I mean, your physical neighbors, the people that live right around you to the left and to the right. I mean, just your neighbors. I want you to go love and to serve your neighbors. I want you to be a light in a dark world. I want your words to be full of grace with a little bit of salt. If you need some ideas about what you can do to be interacting with your neighbors, you can go to our website, rocky.church slash this week. We've thrown some really easy and simple ideas for you. And we don't want it to be overcomplicated, but we just want to be a church. We just wanna be a church that is working on our approach. How, how are you, how, are not, how am I going to live and talk in such a way that people who don't know Jesus just might want to learn a little bit more about him. Let me pray for you and let's pray for our church as we continue to be a light in a dark world. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to be reminded of things that you wrote about and things that you talked about. I mean, what a great opportunity we have to, to hear about how you live, that you live in such a way 2000 years ago and the early church lived in such a way that it changed the world and how they lived and how they spoke. And I pray that we would be encouraged, that we would be reminded, that we might even be refreshed, that we've been called to be a light and as Paul would say, in our conversations with people who don't know Jesus, let us be wise. Let us be smart. Let's think about how we build relational bridges and gain influence with people who don't know you. Let our words be full of grace with a little bit of salt. I pray that even right now you would 
give us a passion and a heart for the people that even live the closest to us, that we might bridge a relational gap this week to serve and to love people who potentially don't know you. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.